1: and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Week 2 Packer Fairs Recap. I am one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, joined, as always, by Maggie Loney. This is the Pax What She Said podcast, and we're going to break down, finally, say finally it's been two weeks (laughs) from the Packers it's victory Monday the Packers uh mollywhopped the Bears last night 27 to 10 Maggie hello happy Monday how you feeling how you doing
0: I mean it kind of actually has been a while since we've had a victory Monday right they lost week 18 and then they lost in the playoffs and they lost week one Matt LaFleur kind of said like we haven't had a a fun victory monday in the building in quite a while so yeah feels good it's a good way to start a monday you're tired from a sunday night game but it's all worth it cuz the packers won it is i agree
1: um all right so should we do uh let's just do some like gut reactions obviously the gut reaction of this game was much better than the gut reaction of the vikings game but You turned off the broadcast last night. You were getting ready for bed. What were you thinking about this game? Um, I guess starting with the offensive side of the ball, a lot
0: of what I was thinking was that the mistakes that they made were very self-inflicted and they're very fixable you know, I think there were a lot of like rhythm issues week one, and we wanted to see Rogers getting on the same page with more guys. We wanted to see the run game develop. And then week two answered that in a big way. Sammy Watkins got really involved. Obviously it was the Aaron Jones show. Um, We saw the rookies getting involved, which I know you want to talk about in a little bit. So we'll save that, but it just, yeah, it felt like this was more what we expected from the offense and, Obviously, I miss watching Devontae Adams play football in green and gold. I will root for him with the Raiders. I'm, you know, excited to follow his career elsewhere. But I'm kind of excited about this Packers offense and what it can be now that we're starting to see like, you know, the Watkins development. Lazard is back. Cobbie had some really nice plays. So I think it's um, going to be a really fun season with all the different wrinkles in the LaFleur offense.
1: Yeah. I definitely felt like this was more of what. I thought the Packers were going to be going into the season both on offense and defense. And I know we'll talk about the defense, but like, that's, that's what we were advertised, right? We were advertised as this really stout defense that was going to wreck you covering. They were going to wreck you pass rushing. And then we were told, you know, this is going to be a more LeFleur centric offense with Lots of motion, lots of jet sweeps, RPOs, the bootlegs, all of it, and we didn't really get to see any of it last week against the Vikings. They had a very good game plan. The Packers were stalled out, and then this week you actually get to see the Packers establish the run—not to use the old football adage, but like they really established the run and they got Jones and Dylan going really early. And I think when you see when you see what Aaron Jones can do with the ball in his hands you just think to yourself like why are you not always giving him the ball um and then they were able to get some really nice chunk plays off the in the passing game but they really leaned on the running backs and I think you know we asked ourselves last week like what's the identity of this team and I think that's really the identity of the Packers now
0: yeah and I mean Aaron Rodgers had said it too like you know I think that's just like one one of the the outlets for this offense is, you know, you you saw a couple wrinkles from Aaron Jones, and it's like, hey, that's just one of the tricks in the bag. Like this bag is full. And, you know, even some of the the play design, I think that the Packers have so many versatile pieces, especially knowing the way that Matt LaFleur utilizes his run blocking receivers. Alan Mazard is really good at it. Sammy Watkins was key in that kind of Dylan fullback leading Aaron Jones into the end zone. Watkins had a really nice block there. So I think we're going to see a lot of these same plays run with different pieces consistently mixed because yep. you have the talent to be able to switch them around and have them all kind of do similar things, but it'll just be different wrinkles for whatever defense they're playing.
1: Yeah. And again, that's the key to Matt LaFleur's offense is having things look the same when at the snap and have them be, matriculate into completely different than, than what the defense thinks that they're showing what they've shown in the past building off of things. So I totally agree. I think having Lazard back, we knew last week, not having him in, you know, was detrimental. We haven't even talked about the offensive line yet, but I think having Elton Jenkins back was everything, but I think the two of them combined, right. Really, really brought an element that they were missing last week, which was, the just dirty blocking the ability to like block guys up and open things up for Aaron Rodgers and give him time and open things up for the running backs and have them have huge running lanes. Like I think Aaron Jones averaged was like eight yards a carry of like that. Something like that. 8.8. (laughs) 8.8. Almost nine yards a carry this game. And that's, you know, that is in large part due to the way you said that the wide receivers block, but really the way Lazard can block and having Elton Jenkins back and it's huge. And I feel like I almost didn't even give Lazard enough credit after the Minnesota game, thinking like what kind of a game changer he can be for this Packers offense.
0: Yeah, and I thought I thought it was really interesting too. Matt LaFleur, unprompted, you know, said twice yesterday and today that he didn't think that and you know, maybe it's just hyping up your guy, but he twice made the comment like I don't think the Packers win this game without Elton Jenkins in the lineup and you know take that as you will you know he's the head coach of the football team and he saw the offensive line in the way that you know they performed last week so that's really high praise for somebody who you know basically was starting the season playing everywhere on the line we weren't sure if he'd come back and be a guard and then he's announced as the Packers basically a future right tackle who's going to make a buttload of money this off season uh, when he signs his contract extension. So yeah. yeah, just the impact cannot be understated.
1: Yeah. And the crazy thing is he actually didn't really have your typical Elton game. There was Mm-mm. definitely rust being shaken off, which is totally understandable. He hasn't played in months. He's coming off an ACL injury. He's going up again. You know, the Bears have pretty nice pass rushers on that end. We can talk about Yash going, going up against Robert Quinn a ton, uh, in that game. But I thought Elton, even at not his best, is still better than anything the Packers trotted out on the right side of that line in the Vikings game. So you'd rather have him out there than not. And also, I feel like you got to give J.R.J. credit too. really yeah. glad to have him back. And like the left side really held up. Obviously, Rogers was sacked three times. That's OK. You know, again, the, the Bears get paid too. they have defenders and Robert Quinn was on one last night.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think a lot of this again is like developing the chemistry and you've got, I I liked having Rice Newman back at right guard. I preferred that over Jake Hansen week one. It just felt like there was a lot of continuity. You had your interior three with JRJ, Josh Myers and Rice Newman. And these are guys that played the bulk of the 2021 season together on the interior. So, you know, if Elton Jenkins and Yash and then eventually David Bakhtiari are the pieces that you, you know, implant in here as your tackles the interior already has all the chemistry and it's not going to be hard for guys like Elton and David to gel with these
1: young guys. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, so much to talk about in this offense. (laughs) really, There really is. I just absolutely loved seeing them. We've said it lean on Aaron Jones. He's such a playmaker. He's so dynamic. It's on the amount of blocks that he shed, like the bears defenders could not, bring him down I think I saw I'll have to find it because it was Zach Cruz who tweeted out how many yards he had after contact and I'm gonna find it because you 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 say things about Aaron Jones but I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna find it because it was so unbelievable and I think that I think the other thing I'll say about this team is that I loved seeing everyone hype each other up I think the perfect example was you know you had A.J. Dillon lead blocking on that touchdown for Aaron Jones. And they're celebrating out there like A.J. Dillon actually scored it. You know, there's just so much support and camaraderie. And that's like the that's a team. You know, that, that's a team that every when somebody wins, everybody wins. Um, and the energy, if you want to compare from last week to this week, just could not have been more opposite. And I like I
0: want to preface this by saying I, I never thought Devontae Adams was a selfish player. Um, I thought he was always a a very team first guy. But I think, you know, going into this season, the Packers offense had to really adopt that unselfish mentality because there wasn't like a bona fide wide receiver one. And you could argue that, yeah, Aaron Jones is like your best weapon on offense right now, not named Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. But you've got, you know, two backs that can do it all. You've got receivers that we're talking about that can be utilized on jet sweeps and in motion and as run blockers. And there isn't like a guy for the offense that you know kind of is taking all the credit and I think that that goes a long way for for what this offense can continue to develop and be because the chemistry is so unknown or at least you know we've thought it was unknown going into the first couple weeks of the season waiting to see what this offense would look like without a guy like Devontae
1: yep I completely agree all right I found it so Aaron Jones forced 13 missed tackles 11 rushing to receiving on 18 total touches. So this is per PFF 85 yards after contact 33 yards after the catch. Like that is unreal. That is so unreal. That's like vision and grit and shiftiness from a guy who's not that big, right? Like when you think about someone who's able to kind of shed blocks and get yards after contact, you think of running backs like Derek Henry, like AJ Dillon, That body type you don't think of a guy like Aaron Jones and he's able to do that plus his speed he's so versatile
0: yeah and I mean I think I think that was the difference and you know we can talk about it when we talk about the defensive side of the ball a, a lot of these things that we want to happen on offense will open up because of the run game and it gives them more opportunities and it's the same way we saw the Bears offense gashing the Packers defense for significant chunks they weren't doing anything through the air and, you know, what started working for them was really leaning on their run game. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the defensive side of the ball. But having two backs that are capable of, you know, making an impact in the passing game and the running game is just, it's huge. And it's what we wanted to see and why we were so adamant about getting them more touches after week one. Because I think it would have been a different ball game had they stayed true to the scheme and kept the ball on the ground and really just kind of stuck true to this playbook.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, I think during our preview of this game, we were talking about how important it would be to um, win time of possession. Yeah. And you do that by running the ball. And you saw that in this game where they really Packers controlled that from zero on the clock onward. Like there was not even after the Bears scored, went down and scored on that first touchdown drive. I still know part of me was like, I don't think the Packers don't have this, even though Twitter was having a meltdown. And that's why when the bears were driving towards the end of the game and they were only doing it on the ground, I was like, okay, I mean, sure. That's fine. Go run the ball all the way down. You're going to, they took up, I think six and a half minutes of clock time. And sure the defense pulled out a, what might be to some, a questionable, I call a wonderful goal line, stand. um, I'd, even if they had scored there, I don't think it would have changed the game at all because they ate up so much time, and you're going to give the Packers back the ball. They're already up two scores, and they're just going to keep running it, too. You're never going to get those huge chunk plays that you need to actually make any kind of comeback if you're just riding David Montgomery.
0: Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I, I was noticing throughout the game, and you know, I, I think that that goal line stand how they called it on the field would have stood regardless. If they called it a touchdown, It would, I think it would have stayed as a touchdown because I think it was just, there was no, you know, you couldn't dispute that either way, you know, because there was no clear shot of where the ball was. So had they ruled it a touchdown, I think it rightfully would have stood since they didn't rule it a touchdown. That's why, you know, it was ruled as a goal line stand, but the guys didn't look gassed. And I think that that was a big part of it is, you know, they had the juice for that type of goal line stand. Kenny Clark got in there. Jaron Reed got in there. Jair had a push in there. And if you're thinking about, you know, the way that they were playing last week against the Vikings, they were exhausted. So to have that kind of fresh energy, I think the Packers had like 37 minutes of time of possession compared to the bears 23. Like that matters. And their red zone performance has made a difference because these guys aren't consistently running, you know, they're not getting boat raced up and down the field. And you know, that went a long way, obviously on Sunday night.
1: Yep. I do still have some, not concerns necessarily, but just like questions about the passing game. I do I love seeing Rogers spread the ball around, right? I thought the rece- most most of the receivers came up with like a big play each. Um, a little disappointed how little Tunyon got involved, but again, he's probably being used blocking and they just didn't need him this game. Love seeing Sammy Watkins, you know, have himself a night. Like he has said, this is kind of his resurgence of his career and that's how he's viewing it. And it's great to see that he still has some juice in him. Rogers clearly really trusts him as well. He was looking to him. There were a couple moments where he was open too, and and Rogers didn't even get to get to hit him there. Um, not at all surprised that Kyler Gordon got picked on. We said this in our preview as well. Rogers is going to go after the rookies like he just is. And he made a great play in the end zone with what would have been a touchdown to Lazard. But otherwise I feel that this was his uh, baptism into the NFL The poor kid. Um, but I'd still feel like there's just like a lot to be desired out of the Packers passing game. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of those things that will come along. And it is something that, you know, we were hoping would have come, have developed, I guess, more chemistry in training camp because you don't want to start the season flat.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think
0: it's something that they're building a rhythm towards. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying this was this was a really tough one for the Packers. And I think Andy Herman said Andy Herman said it really well um, on his postgame show where he said, like, However, you know, whatever metric you wanted to use for the Packers, the Bears are a really tough example because if the Packers win, it's, well, the Bears are just the Bears. They're not a very good football team. If the Bears hung around and kept it close, then it's, well, what's wrong with the Packers? If the Packers blow them out, well, yeah, it's just the Bears. Like, there's no good metric because the Bears are, you could argue, a lesser opponent. So we really need to find, you know, I think a lot of these answers will come in the coming weeks, especially next week in Tampa, you know, we'll see kind of what this offense looks like. But 27 points at home to open the season and the defense holding, you know, the Bears to a field goal outside of their opening drive. It's the progress that you need and it's the, the juice and the the energy to get them, you know, to kind of kickstart it on the right path.
1: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I did not expect them to come out and have it be. You know, a forty burger and have all the problems fixed. But it is nice to see incremental improvement. Obviously, we did. It's great having Lazard back too. Another security blanket. Cobb coming up with a couple. You know, he's Mister Third Down now. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy
0: margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: I do want to talk about the rookies mm-hmm. because they're clearly an important part of this offense because they're on the field constantly. Right. right. And so to my earlier question, I think I'm going to devil's advocate myself and say, I, I see where LaFleur is going and how he's going to use the rookies in the future. Like it, I, I can tell the way He's setting this up, right? He has them on the field, so defense as often as he is, so defenses are going to have to respect them. I want to see Rodgers target them more, but then when I looked back at the stats, he was targeting everyone pretty equally. Yeah. So, so I guess in my live, my live uh, response was different than like what actually had happened. But I really like the way Lafleur is setting up the rookies to be contributors in the future because. Both of them have really unique skill sets. I think, you know, you think about how to stretch the field and, I mean, I immediately think of Christian Watson. And so far they've had hit them on, like, you know, little bubble screens and motion and jet sweeps and all these kind of, like, end arounds and not, nothing too deep. But knowing Lafleur, like we said earlier, he does all of this to set up for future state, right? He's thinking, I'm going to set up this play defenses are going to think it's going to be one look and then I'm going to do something differently. So I can see how he's using these pieces in um, the ways he is now. So that in the future, maybe we do get another Christian Watson deep shot and these receivers can get more involved in the passing game in the future based off of looks that he's showing now where they're not.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that was, again, like we'll, we'll see the development come later in the season, but when you have, wide receivers that come in and acclimate to the league right away, like Jamar Chase and like Justin Jefferson, there's this skewed perception of what a rookie wide receiver is capable of in their first like couple game action. And had Christian Watson hit the deep shot in week one, you know, maybe we're having a different conversation. But yeah, I mean, if you go through the first two weeks and look at the way that targets are distributed, AJ Dillon has nine. He leads the team with nine targets. Aaron Jones has eight. And then Romeo Dobbs is actually the leading wide receiver with eight. Then you've got Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, and Robert Tunyon that have seven. So, And then Cobb is right behind them with six. So it really, you know, this ball is being spread all, like exactly how you'd want it to. And I think Rodgers kind of alluded to that in his postgame presser where he said there's some games that will dictate like we have packages for Jones and Dylan." We have some packages for the rookies. We have a package for Sammy Watkins. Like they're scratching the surface of so many of these things that, like you said, they're going to get some of these wrinkles on tape and they're going to do a one eighty and give them a completely different look off of that same setup. And it's going to go a long way for this offense.
1: Yeah. I'm excited about it. I, I don't, I feel like I'm impatient to see it because I, the Packers offense to me right now is like, 40% 40% potential and 60% production of what it can be, right? If you're looking at the whole pie, I think they've reached like, they're at like 60 right now. And they have the whole season to to fill in that 40% that you know or you feel like they can get to based on the guys on paper, based on how you know Aaron Rodgers can play because I don't think he even had his best game against the Bears either. He missed a couple of throws. So there's so much room for them to grow still, which is very exciting. Um, and I just – I don't know. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And Rogers
0: alluded to that too. I mean, he said that there was a a play to Lazard that should have been a touchdown. He kind of chucked the one at AJ Dillon's feet that, you know, should have resulted in a completion and that drive, you know, ended up, I think it still went for a touchdown anyway, but you know, he knows that he's got to hit that. And there's some things too, like the the quick out to, to Romeo Dobbs that wasn't a connection and right. it ended up being an incomplete, like that'll develop. And I think it'll develop sooner than we're thinking. And when it does, this offense has the potential to be really exciting. Yeah, But they're also going to need the defense to keep playing like they have, because when any defense, regardless of who the opponent is, holds an offense to 10 points, that's a win in the National Football League. You know, totally. you think even without Devonte adams this is a packers offense that can put up more than 10 points and win football games
1: so i again i think to to f- we'll wrap up the offense now and and move over to the defense because i can't wait to talk about them but i think my final thought is this packers offense had some miscues right they had two fumbles they had a missed touchdown um now two missed touchdowns with lazard like they easily could have up more points here if not for a couple of self-inflicted moments so the fact that we're talking about how they're not really at their potential yet and they still put up 27 should give fans a really really good feeling about what this offense has in store for the rest of the season
0: yeah I agree 100 I think that um, I'd be more concerned if we were seeing like drive stall or if you know a lot of I guess the same complaints that we had going into week one and you know you can argue about you know the talent level on the defense whatever it is this was a good cleanup for the Packers offense and we're going to see them start to execute because you know that Josh Myers isn't going to have a brain fart I think is how Aaron Rodgers put it and snap the ball on one instead of two anymore like these are things that they're going to clean up Rodgers isn't going to botch the handoff to AJ Dillon it's it's all very fixable and when it is fixed you're talking about putting up 35 points 38 points for sure.
1: And I going into this game, I'll own it. I said on our last show, I do not see the Packers putting up 30 in this game, even, um, even though it's the bears and they very easily could have put up 30 and more. So I'll take the loss. Yeah. We, 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 write our wrongs on packs, what she said. So
0: with threats to our nation, waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do
1: just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: I'll let let you start with the defense. What were your initial impressions? Because I know that there are quite a few of them.
1: So... At the end of the game, I was thinking, and I didn't tweet it out, and uh, it's because I wanted to save it for for the show. There's something about the Packers giving up a first drive touchdown and then completely shoring up that I'm wondering now. It happens so much. Is that planned? Like, is that almost Joe Barry playing chess, not checkers here? Like, he just said, all right, Bears, show us what you got. He saw all of Eberflus's scripted plays and he said, okay, now I know what to do and you don't have a script anymore and just like completely clamped down on the Bears' offense. And everyone's going to freak out about them driving down the field on the first drive. But after that, they gave up three points. Like this defense played out of their minds and they still missed a couple tackles, right? It wasn't a completely perfect clean game, but they looked like, like we thought that they could be on paper pass rush was getting after them. Kenny was a monster. You had Quay Walker showing off his speed, like nobody's business. I mean, I think everyone was talking about it today. Any other inside linebacker group in previous years, that's that Justin Fields run is a walk-in touchdown. Like that is just this. He doesn't even break a sweat. He just. No, I mean, and Quay's speed closing in on him to save that from being a touchdown unbelievably impressive and the secondary you know shut it down and again this bears offense doesn't have the same weapons that the packers defense is going to see from other units other teams going forward sure but you want to see them play like that against a bad team that that's the team to say we are not going to let you we're not going to let you score on us and the one thing i think that we have talked about so much is this defense sometimes let's teams hang around or they're up a couple scores. They kind of soften up and, and they don't um, finish games. And that Jair Alexander interception at the end of that game was the opposite of this. It was no, no, we are not letting you move the ball anymore. We let you score 10 and you're done. We're ending this game now, like game set match. And I just love that energy from this defense. Cause it's the one thing that I feel like they haven't had in a while.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I agree with you on on almost every point. I think the one thing that is concerning to me is just the tackling. And yeah. I know that yeah. that's something that can very easily be cleaned up. But Joe Barry's defense, I think, was the best in the league last year as far as not missing tackles. And Devondre Campbell, I think, is already at like three missed tackles and he missed four for all of the 2021 season. So there's just some things that you're scratching your head a little bit like you know, there's progression in some areas, and then you're seeing the defense regress a little bit in other areas. And it's like, you know, is that just c- uh, continuity where you guys are, are trying to mesh and ev- get everybody on the same page? Like, where are the communication errors and how can you remedy those? Because once that's resolved, a lot of these problems are going to fix themselves again because you're not going to have David Montgomery going yeah. for, what was it, like 132 yards or something. And, you know, that, you got Lenny Fournette next week. Like it's not going to get any easier and he's even harder to bring down. So that's, that was my concern, but yeah, overall just a a really exactly the kind of performance that you'd want to see from the defense that, like you said, we were expecting to see based on how they look on paper.
1: Yeah. I just think that's something they'd be able to clean up. And like, I think credit to David Montgomery also, he looked great. He was the bears only offense. um, And he, you know, did his best to put his team on his back and he's a very good running back. So, um, but I agree. I mean, tackling is one a of football technique. Like you have to be able to tackle. So I'm sure there's going to be plenty of drills in uh, at practice this week, getting ready for the bucks. Cause the bucks have way more weapons that the Packers defense is going to have to contend with.
0: Yeah, I will say, and I don't really think that you can call them underrated when they get the game ball, But Preston Smith, to me, was the player of the game for the defensive side of the ball. And I think that he is such an underrated contributor, which is it's hard to say that there's like an underrated element to his game when you've got, you know, he's one of two edge rushers. Basically, they don't have a lot of depth there, but we talk about Kenny Clark all the time. We talk about Rashawn Gary. We talk about the secondary and Preston Smith is just always in the right spot. He's always making a play and he's always doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And I just, you know, I, I want to give him some credit for that because I'm, I'm, you know, I think a lot of Packers fans, myself included, before Zadarius Smith got injured, we thought that if the Packers could only keep one Smith bro, mm-hmm. it would be Zadarius. And just, you know, Aaron Rodgers talks about how he's one of his best friends on the team and the kind of leader that he is. He's got the captain's patch. Like it is all so deserved. And I think maybe it's Rashawn Gary taking some heat, right? Because Rashawn is getting a lot of double teams, but. The sack that Preston had where Justin Fields tried to juke him and he just kind of like fell on him, like absolutely not. It was one of the plays of the game. And I just, I just, he deserves a lot of credit for the role he brings to the defense.
1: I completely agree. And Rajon Gary gets so much credit. And so does Kenny Clark finally as deserved. But I do think that there's something about Preston who is a longtime vet now in this league. And I think you saw that last night. You saw in this game, like he was not fooled by anything the Bears were trying to throw at him. And that's just his football IQ showing up, you know what I mean? And then executing on it. And I was going to bring up the play you just did, that sack, where he was like, "Uh uh-uh. You know, and he was just doing all the things you asked. He was setting the edge. He was bringing pressure. He was just dominating. And I'm just such a fan of his. I just think I love the way he carries himself and his, like you said, his leadership abilities. just like the energy that he brings to that room. It's very like – I think a lot of the Packers leaders are very quiet leaders, right? Zedarius was very loud. He was boisterous. He was that like front facing man. And I think there's a lot of guys like Kenny, like Preston, like Adrian Amos, who are like more quieter internal leaders. And I think you're seeing that a little bit more now that Preston has time to shine. Um, I love the duo. I do worry a little bit though about how much him and Gary are playing Because you want that third rusher in there to give, we talked about, you know, having fresh legs and that rotation that we're able to see on the D line and you're not getting that same, you know, rest with the edge rushers. Now, again, I think some of that gets mitigated if the Packers offense just stays on the field. Right. And so in this game, I don't know if they needed it, but I do worry a little bit about that going forward. Yeah. And I mean, I think
0: we talked about it in the preseason. We talked about it in training camp. Like, you're one injury away, yeah. knock on wood, from, you know, a, a really kind of terrible situation at, at the edge rush position. And, and it, in 2019, we talked about, we want to see some development from Rashawn Gary because the Darius and Preston were playing like 85% of snaps that season on defense. And I think against the bears, it was like 90% of defensive yep. snaps that those two are out there. And that's just way too much. And it's not sustainable when you get into the cold weather months. And when you're trying to, like you said, stay fresh for the playoffs. And yes, obviously the Packers have a late buy this year, but one week off, it's not going to mitigate a season's worth of trying to, set the edge, like you said, against mobile quarterbacks and tackle some of these bruising running backs that the Packers are going to see on the schedule in the next couple of months. So hopefully it's just a ramp up period for guys like JJ and you know Teepa, Jonathan Garvin, whoever else they wanted to rotate in there. But yeah, we're gonna need to see something from that edge rush unit beyond what Preston and Rashawn can bring.
1: Yeah. It's just something that I have my eye on. Um, because they think it's important and it's a really long season. So you lose any one of them and that entire front looks completely different. Um, anything else on defense? Should we talk about the goal line, Stan? I feel like we should. Um, <laughs> I, look, I think there's two parts here for me. One is while they, they let the Bears get all the way down there. Yeah, other offenses are going to move the ball. Like <laughs> I, I, I think like it is so hard to play defense. Like The Packers are not going to shut out every single team, no matter how bad or good they are. So yes, the Bears moved the ball. There were plenty of moments where maybe they could have made a stop, but they didn't, and they made the stop when they needed to. Now, again, I think there was a lot of questions around, was it a touchdown? Was it not a touchdown? I don't know. I'm not on the field. The refs called it not a touchdown. Amazing stop. I still stand by the fact that if it was called a touchdown, I don't think it would have changed the game at all. Um, and I think that just says a lot about like the entire defensive performance as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about the discrepancies between the two teams and the Packers did everything that they needed to do to win the game. Like total first downs, the Bears had 11 for the entire game and only two of those came by passing plays. And one of them was the flea flicker. And Jair made a comment post game, you know, kind of joking like they had to resort to trickery to To pull one over on us, and that's why he was so glad he got the interception because that was a play that he gave up. But outside of that, you know, know, nine for the Bears, and it was all you know rushing at that point. So I think just you look at like total net yards, the Packers defense did what they needed to do, and the game never, like you said, felt out of hand for them. It never felt like it was slipping away, and you know. I I hate the the other team gets paid, too, because it seems like such a cliche and that you don't want teams to be able to march down the field. But I I wasn't concerned based on what we saw from the defense outside of like we talked about already, the missed tackles. And I think missed tackles had a large part Mm -hmm. in that Bears offense being able to march down the field because when you're not tackling David Montgomery, he's he's going to blow right past you and get into the second level. So containing a lot of that is going to, it'll fix itself if the tackling fixes itself.
1: Yeah. I think it's good that there are enough things out of this win for the Packers to take away, to improve upon is you love when you win and you win by a wide margin and still feel like you can get something out of that besides just being, besides just being, okay, we were the better team. Like I like that there's improvement because it's really early in the season and you want to see improvement from them. Um, I just think it's okay that there are some drives that other teams get. To, I, you know, I I don't know what it. I just again like the Packers held them to ten points, and if it was seventeen points, I'd still be sitting here saying it was a really great overall great performance from this defense. I do feel for the Bears a little bit, and I I wonder just what it is about this team and this offense, whether it's new coaching staff, whether it's the lack of weapons, whatever it is, like why they didn't throw the ball at all. And maybe it's credit and respect to the Packers secondary. So I would understand that for sure. But like this bears, the bears obviously don't trust Justin Fields to throw the ball. And I feel like if there's one player on this team that I'd throw the team on my back. I'd say it should be Justin Fields. Like, just let him rip it, right? His deep ball is gorgeous. We saw it once, and then they just said, stop. And I I didn't really understand that game plan at all. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: going into it, that was one of the keys – to tiring out this Packers defense and making them beat you is you know the same way that we saw David Montgomery scrambling and rushing for a very productive day on the ground. Justin Fields is more than capable of that and yeah. you know the Packers got after Kirk Cousins because he is such a pocket passer and that was one of the concerns going into this game was Justin Fields has the mobility especially behind a not great offensive line to get out of the pocket and to make plays. And, you know, they talked about it all week. The DBs were saying like, you know, most plays take six seconds. Justin Fields can keep plays alive for like 10, 12 seconds. So as a secondary, you get gassed because, you know, you are trying to cover when it basically becomes a scramble drill and you don't know where the wide receivers are going. So, you know, if you look at it that way, the nod goes to the offense. But yeah, just really surprising. Like Darnell Mooney having negative four yards, I expected a lot or to see them at least take shots with the guys that they have on offense.
1: I completely agree. And I think it's such a good point about Justin Fields and his legs. We saw none of that, which again, I think obviously the Packers defensive plan to contain him worked, which is great to know in the future, but I am super shocked that pretty much all we saw from him that was significant was him scrambling for, for the touchdown that Quay stopped. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's something about these Packers inside linebackers and their speed and their ability to meet you, you know, before you want to get to where you're trying to get um, potentially is is a deterrent for running quarterbacks. We'll see as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say I think that, you know, one of the most exciting things that we saw that we didn't necessarily see a lot of, but it bodes well for later on in the season is the idea of Quay Walker playing that spiral because we saw the sideline-to-sideline side speed. And, you know, I think somebody said that he made a comment um, post-game just about how, like, he was upset that he fell for the juke at first, but he had enough recovery speed to get up and, you know, get after field. So if if he doesn't bite on that, you're like, how, you know, how much quicker did you need to get to the ball? <laughs> like, so just, yeah. you know, Quay Walker as a spy, I think, is something that's really fun that's coming for the Joe Berry defense.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so good that you mentioned that because – this is only a second NFL game ever. Right. Like, this boy is a brand new baby into the NFL, <laughs> and he's already doing things like that. And so, you know, the more he sees from opposing offenses, the more he learns. Like, he's never going to make that mistake again with the Duke, right? Like, he's going to be able to spot it now, hopefully, and learn from it. And he's only going to continue to get better. And I think his skill set is off the charts. I know that it was kind of a weird pick. The Packers took, you know, people thought it was too early, too rich. They wanted offense, whatever. I think Quay is going to turn out to be one of the best decisions that that Brian Gutenkunst has made. Just in like his ability to transform the middle of the defense. I uh, I'm feeling very excited about him.
0: Yeah, and I mean the the selection there doesn't discredit Devonte wyatt at all we know the defensive no. linemen take a, a little bit longer to acclimate at the nfl level so you know his ascension i think we'll maybe see more of in year two he's playing in a very rich position right now where there's a lot of depth so he's just not seeing the field as much as quay and you know if you think about it the packers still got the wide receiver that they wanted in the second round so if you swapped like if the packers took watson where they took walker and vice versa i don't think that any of this is a conversation so Really good point. I'm really excited to see, you know, his continued development. Before we wrap up, because I know we both really want to watch the Monday Night Doubleheader. Really good games. I just want to talk about special teams really quick. because yes. Because I think that, you know, we talked all offseason about Rich Basaccia bringing in his guys. And his guys are showing out. Dylan mm-hmm. love Levitt is... A nightmare on special teams. Keyshawn Nixon has looked really good. Uh, Rudy Ford coming in has made a difference right away in the two games that he's gotten to play. So to not hold your breath every time the ball's in the air, to have a really competent punter and holder and to have Money Mason back to being Money Mason... Good job. Spe- good job, special teams.
1: Good job, That's special teams. Yeah, you know what? I think they deserve some credit, too. And again, like they're probably just like at about average. But I also have to shout out Amari Rogers because the leap that he has made from last year to this year, it just is night and day. And right now, unfortunately, his time on offense is quite limited, but he really feels like he's trying or doing his best. The, the muff was a little scary. We're going to we're going <laughs> to. Gonna that. Over but that we're, we're going to put a pin in that. I'm not discrediting it. We're just going to put a pin in it. Um, but it really feels like he's making the most of the opportunities that he's being given and like showing his improvement. Um, so I'm loving that from him. I hope for more out of him, not just on special teams on offense. He did play one offensive snap. So I believe that was the kneel down, but yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. I was really going. I was rooting for you, Murray, there. Um, but you have to give him credit for his return abilities now.
0: Exactly. That, any any final thoughts before we dive in to the Bucs game in a couple days and have all of that content available?
1: I think please tune in for our Bucs preview because this is going to be a really juicy conversation. There's a lot to talk about in terms of this Buccaneers team, namely with Mike Evans being suspended, all this stuff with Tom Brady. There is a lot to go over. I'm very excited about this upcoming game. I think this is going to be a really interesting test for the Packers you know, they went down to Tampa once and it didn't go well. And we saw how that translated into the playoffs. And I think that this game could be that for them as well. Um, I love the momentum that they're riding heading into a really important NFC matchup because this team seems to, you know, flow with that energy, whether it's good or bad, and, and take it with them. So I'm glad they came hungry I'm glad they played the way they did in prime time against their rival. I put in quotes because come on, the bears aren't really a rival these days. And I hope that they take that with them into week three.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you know we'll we'll dive into it obviously a lot more, but you just want to see continued growth in each phase you want to see the defense continue the way that they have which it's another really big test you know we talked about the bears not having weapons you know the bucks could give half of their weapons to the bears and still have a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball their defense is one of the best defenses that this packers offense is going to play all season their secondary is insane so yeah just a, a lot to look forward to and a lot to talk about going into next week but yeah well next week's game going into later this week for our conversation but that is all the time that we have for this show I want to get everybody in front of the couch uh, for the double header that's about to kick off we got Bill's Titans and Vikings Eagles hopefully the Eagles will do us all a favor tonight but uh, mm-hmm. this is the PAX what she said podcast. thank you as always for listening. you can find us on Twitter at PwsS podcast. you can find us on YouTube if you're here twitch if you're here Twitter if you're here. Um, I am Maggie J. Loney on Twitter Perry is Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter and Thanks Go Pack Go Go
1: Pack Go